Hey, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? I have been reading the Slenderman novel. They made a Slenderman novel. They made a Slenderman novel, and the novel is a YA novel, and the narrator is an author, and his friends are like, you should share this story um, on Reddit, and he does, (laughs) and someone says, hey, this reminds me of Slenderman. (laughs) And then it's told through like diary entries and and edginess uh, text messages. Mm. So oh the text messages are like, I can't believe you know what is this Marble Hornets? That's so dumb. No. I'm not into Slenderman. And then <laughs> creepy Slenderman stuff happens. Do they actually reference Marble Hornets? Yes, by don't, name. Don't. Literally, I've watched Marble Hornets. I don't want my the the pretentious teenager is like, I don't want my you know my oeuvre <laughs> associated with this claptrap yeah like honestly if i'm one of the marble hornets guys i don't want them bringing up my thing in the middle of your bad version of the thing i did although honestly with the slenderman mythos like they're making a slenderman movie in the year of our lord 2018 it's not have you seen it no 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 so i started it the other day oh shit I I did not finish it. I turned it (laughs) off because I thought I could watch this or I could watch Children of the Corn 5. Right. I chose Children of the Corn 5. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. I feel pretty good about that, especially because it's Children of the Corn 5. Colon, I want to say mean corn? Children of the Corn Rude Fields? (laughs) It's Children of the Corn 5 backwards K corn. Get it? Uh, Corn. Corn. yeah. No, it's Children of the Corn 5 Creamed. Creamed, which is the most horrifying thing you could have said. It's actually called Fields of Terror. Children of the Corn 5 Fields, Fields of Terror. Fields of Terror. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Which, honestly, I'm furious because they missed a perfectly good opportunity to make like a Field of Dreams joke, like Children of the Corn 5 Field of Nightmares. Yeah, here's the question, though. Why? Why are there so many Children of the Corn movies? It's a lot. And this is kind of a question that I have, really, is who... There are, like, what, ten Children of the Corn movies total? Who are these movies for? I mean, I I fear the answer is us. (laughs) It's just us. (laughs) Yeah, I honestly... I mean, the thing is, I want to disagree with that, but also... uh, Titling a sequel, Children of the Corn 666 for part six, like... Isaac's Return. There we go. Which, how do you know that? Off the t- <laughs> because I know it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, just off the top of your head. See, I've seen exactly two Children of the Corn movies. Um, I've seen the first one with Linda Hamilton, uh, and then now I've seen Children of the Corn 5. Well, I've got good news for you, Ryan. <laughs> uh-huh. Children of the Corn 4 has Screamin' Mad George special effects. Yo, my boy. See, now now we're talking. And, and Children of the Corn 4 is the one where they go into the big city. <gasps> into the big city. So they're doing, like, Children of the Corn take Manhattan? Exactly. Oh, fuck. Honestly, I'm, I'd be kind of into, like, this weird little creepy baby cult of toe-headed children with, like, scythes and shit wandering around the subway. But, like, one of the weird things to me is that this... Children of the Corn, ten fucking movies in this series, and they are all adapted from 
a short story by Stephen King. One of them came out this year, I believe. Oh, Jesus. I think it's the reboot. I think they've rebooted the franchise. <laughs> yeah, which they've, they they did reboot it. And actually, because uh, I, I fell down a wiki hole. Um, and there's basically nothing that ties any of these movies together. I think there's like the only thing is there's a guy called He Who Walks Behind the Rose? Well, I do believe Isaac is in the first like three or four and he okay. comes back so like i really do think there is like a a power struggle <laughs> scenario but frankly mm-hmm. i can't speak to that because i've only seen one in five <laughs> right and it's just at this point i'm just thinking sure why not <laughs> this <laughs> Let's might go well with happen. The... um have you seen gravity falls Yes, I love Gravity oh, Falls. Oh, it's so good. I, I fucking love that show. They've got that character that's like a riff on Children of the Corn, um, the creepy kid, um, little, little Gideon. Yes! And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's 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 absolutely like, I feel like it's just, I, I feel like that's not, I feel like that's on purpose for Gravity Falls to, to have that character that's like a riff on that. Um, you know what, actually? Fuck it. Let's just dive into Children of the Corn and not do any of the ghoul shit that we've been well, doing this uh, week. Well, hold on now, hold on. So, I read the Slenderman novel. What have you been up to? <laughs> actually, I'm not ready to concede the point. So, this Slenderman novel you've been reading... <laughs> how... <laughs> You're telling me that this is, like, an epistolary novel for Slenderman told via, like, passive-aggressive notes and, like, text messages? It is journal entries where the... Our protagonist mm-hmm. is seeing a therapist, and his therapist is making him open a Word document. So it's like entry one, okay. and then a space. Entry two, and then a space. Ah, see, actually, you know what? I can't even believe I'm going to give the Slender Man novel the benefit of the doubt here. I actually kind of appreciate that as a framing device, that like at least there's a therapist who's making the protagonist write these entries down instead of just like... It always kind of drives me crazy in a story when it's like, I, a character who would never keep a journal, I'm just deciding to keep a journal of this crazy circumstance, and it's just... I, it's normally pretty unbelievable. So I guess fair play to the Slender Man novelization? Yeah, so it's, it's therapist and then the police because they're trying to find mm. the... Um, the girl that's gone missing, as is the case for all Slenderman fiction. <laughs> Slenderman. Um, okay, which, by the way, permission to only re- refer to him as Slenderman? Yeah. That's his last name now? So, so, so Gene Slenderman. Here's, <laughs> Gene Slenderman. I think my biggest gripe is um, I'm about 80 pages in, mm-hmm. and there is no Slenderman yet. No Slenderman. So wait, so this is the novelization of the movie? No, it is an anonymous Slenderman oh. novel oh, riding wow. on the trend. This is HarperCollins' big deal what? publishing. This is HarperCollins? Yeah. Holy shit. Somebody got paid to write Slenderman fic for fucking HarperCollins. And, and I'm kicking myself because... When they sent me the press release, mm-hmm. it actually had the ghostwriter's name on it, <laughs> and I've lost it, so now I can't like <laughs> give you that podcast exclusive of, actually, the author of the anonymous Slenderman novel is so-and-so. Right. It, his name is actually, uh, it's Gene Slenderman, um, <laughs> that's, which, by the way, that's, that's my new pen name. Um, now, and so, Slenderman... Honestly, I can't even act cool, because I really, really loved Marble Hornets circa, like, 2011, 2012. Like, it feels like a very sort of of-its-time 
sort of thing of just, you know, falling down a YouTube hole and watching these and, like, checking wikis. And I I was kind of obsessed with, with Marble Hornet stuff for um, a, a bit in the early 2010s. Um, so I can't even I can't even act cool and be like, yeah, I'm totally over Slenderman, because I am now. But, like, it was fine, like, seven years ago? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely the zeitgeist has passed, mm-hmm. but... You know, there it's still kind of, kind of there. I've, yeah. I think I think the other problem is I'm reading Tara Devlin's um, translations of Japanese urban legends mm-hmm. right now, and they are so, her translations of creepy pasta from Two Chan is so much better because it's short form. Oh yeah. Who was that I shook hands with? <laughs> you was phone. Yeah, honestly, although there, there's another thing is I for me, like Marble Hornets is around the same sort of time period as like, because, you know, creepypasta, because also, you know, if we're talking about like sort of of its year or of its time sort of thing, like around 2007 or 2008, I was on 4chan. Because I would, you know, it was like, oh, they post dead bodies, and it's really edgy. And also, I have absolutely no sense of self outside of my peer group. Of course, I'll go on 4chan. Um, And the problem is that, like, a lot of people kind of never grew out of that. Um, And I used to love Creepypasta so much, and I feel like there's a Venn diagram between Creepypasta and a thing like Anthology Horror. Yeah, yeah. Where it's just these tiny little bite-sized nuggets of horror. You can just snap them up. It's the creepy thing. It's there and then it's gone. You don't have to think about it too much. Well, you should get Tara A. Devlin's like four or so volumes of her book Kawabana, Mm -hmm. which is she's just translated Japanese internet creepypasta into English. Ooh, fuck yeah. Interested. So it's got that like very yokai feel because it's like you know oh ghosts come out in the summer in japan because that's when ghost festivals are so (laughs) it's then that this ghost showed up (laughs) right i just think you know it's that summer time for ghosts exactly that's a thing is they have like a spiritual festival like where you you know it's kind of like our um in the south we have decoration day oh yeah so it's kind of like that, but also ghosts show up. It's a real problem. Um, did you ever play the Slender Man uh, video game Slender? It was like an open source game? Um, no, I didn't. Well, it was a super jank uh, open source game that was um, free, and it was basically just sort of like super basic graphics, and you were like wandering around the woods looking for notes, and uh, if Slender Man popped up, you would get chased or whatever. Uh, and they made a AAA release version of uh, a Slenderman game that was actually like written by the guys who did Marble Hornets, and it wasn't as good as the jank open source thing, which to me is really key to Slenderman in the first place. Is like a lack of corporate ownership. See, I think that's the issue with this book because on one hand, I have read eighty plus pages of the Slenderman novel because it's got good character development <laughs> sure. and. Although I have trouble with teenage protagonists, because turns out I don't like teenagers. <laughs> I didn't like one when I was one. I don't like one now. Yeah, I mean, it's a sort of warranted self-loathing, because even as a teenager, I feel like you know, like, look, I fucking suck. <laughs> like, you you know you're not shit. Um, all of my friends are garbage, and I think that's a good understanding to have. So, yeah, so, like, it's compelling, but it's not a... 
it doesn't work in the same way that Slender Man works. Right. And and that's it's fortunately it's not trying to. The novel is a slow burn mystery, and because it's like a found footage, found um, assemblage of police reports mm-hmm. and text messages mm-hmm. and group chat. It, they they also name drop like. Are you using WhatsApp? And they're oh. like, "Why, yes, we are using WhatsApp." No, and then... no, no. <laughs> Fuck out of here! Leave my leave my home immediately with this shit. <laughs> well, and this is—I I think this kind of goes back to a thing we were. I, I think we've talked about it on the show a few times. Is the sort of because I love that that we've got new urban legends and sort of cultural artifacts. Because like it's that question of where are the kids getting their horror now. Well, it's it's this and fucking Five Nights at yeah, Freddy's. Yeah, it's just sort of the, the, the loathsome YouTube boys, the, the, the gaming lads. Um, so the ghoul shit that I've been uh, consuming this last week, we've been, we've been doing a move, so I have just sort of had uh, my Kindle on me and just sort of reading it when I get a moment. The thing I've been reading lately, have you, probably you have because everybody but me has read it, uh, The Ballad of Black Tom. Yeah, that book rules so fucking hard. It's so good. It's so fucking good. The fucking Ballad of Black Tom. Like, I love so much that H.P. Lovecraft, like, this is the way in which H.P. Lovecraft is useful, is that way better people are deconstructing the framework this old shitty race has set up, and they're doing cooler things with it. Yeah, and I love how Victor Laval's like, yeah, um... I'm going to just take this and, and do something with it, you racist old yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that, you know, there are awards for stuff that have, like, a bust of H.P. Lovecraft's big racist melon head. Uh, and, like, if you're, you know, an author and you win that thing, like, imagine having that fucking head glowering at you from the metal. Um, uh, so I've been reading The Ballad of Black Tom and also River of Teeth, which also, I'm a fucking idiot because how did I not realize, like, River of Teeth by Sarah Gailey, uh, I had mostly heard people talk about it in reference to, like, hippos and stuff. Why did nobody tell me that actually this book is mostly a gay cowboy heist? Yeah, it's amazing. Gay <laughs> cowboy heist. It's so fucking good. Um, so many wasted nights not reading about these gay cowboys, and sure, there's hippos that eat people. Uh, hippos with gold grills <laughs> that eat people. Hippos with gold grills. That's how you pitch it, actually, is hippos with gold grills. It's it's gay cowboys and hippos with gold grills. Just absolutely fucking outstanding. It's everything I like. Um, so let's get into the uh, movie, the first movie we're talking about this week, which is Children of the Corn 5, uh, Field of Terror? Fields okay, of Terror. Okay, plural. Fields of Terror. Which, you know what it is with uh, the title of this thing? It's like what my friend's uh, mom would do in high school with the band Coldplay, is like, it would just be like a temperature and a noun. So she would be like, uh, have you heard that new song by that band Warm Guys? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Jesus Christ, Children of the Corn 5, which this is from, I want to say, 1997? Yeah, yeah, it is very mm. 97, too. Oh, yeah. It's got Ahmet Zappa in a yeah. starring role. Absolutely. Absolutely it does. Which this movie just reeks of 1997. This dude in like the first... So something that's really wild in this movie is because they've deposed Isaac in the previous Children of the Corn movies, I assume... Mm-hmm. Again, I've only seen five and one. Right. Um, a new kid gets taken over by the one who walks behind the rose. Right. I also love that the first movie, the mm-hmm. the one who walks behind the rose, was just green light because they ran out of budget. 
Yeah. So now five movies in, they're like, well, I guess he's got to be green light and fire. <laughs> it turns out Jay Gatsby, uh, the green light across the way, it was actually he who walks yeah, behind the rose. Jay Gatsby is actually longing for eldritch horror. <laughs> and actually, he who walks behind the rose has just been the architect of Jay Gatsby's suffering. Can we talk about how, um, I'll give this one to someone else for free because I ain't going to write it. <laughs> But a one of those literary mashups that are that are passe now, but um, at the Mountains of Madness and The Great Gatsby. Oh, you mean like uh, like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I honestly, that's <sighs> Christ. Speaking of, I don't know what it is. We're leaning really hard into the uh, the late two thousands, early twenty tens. Uh, nostalgia on this episode, um, which is so funny because, like, at the time, I would think to myself, like, oh, this this decade is nothing like the 80s and 90s with, like, really distinct things to differentiate it. And now, looking back on it, there really was. It, it was a pungent stank. <laughs> yeah, you can, like, carbon date it. Um, and so if you're watching uh, Children of the Corn 5, child, uh, you, may be one, you, you, know, you may be thinking to yourself, do I need to have seen Children's of the Corns 1 through 4? in order to follow what's going on, and the answer is absolutely not. Because this has no continuity. It has no internal <laughs> continuity, let alone right. external continuity. None. Not even a little bit. It doesn't even know itself. So so this kid is walking through a cornfield at random, and lightning <laughs> right. strikes him, and he turns into a Damien Omen child. <laughs> Which, you ever do that thing where you go corn walking and then suddenly God yells at you until you're possessed by Satan? And then there's a flash forward two years and that motherfucking kid is in the same outfit and yep. looks the same because oh my God, yeah. they just put a title card. Like they shot this whole thing in one <laughs> yeah. sitting and he was like two years later. Yeah. Now, okay, so the kid who plays the Isaac Exby in this, this might be a silly question. Is this the kid who was on Malcolm in the Middle? No, it is not. It's the wrong time frame, okay. but he looks like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the big alfalfa ears and the, the nose. and Yeah, he's, he's a goofy little kid. Now, the problem with this movie, it leans very, very hard on the watchability of this child. It bets yeah, wrong. Yeah, it, it, it done goofs. Yeah, they... I think they thought this kid could carry the whole movie. He really, really cannot. Because, like, some child actors, you know, the child actors are kind of risky anyway, but this kid, he's a kid. You know? Like, I don't want to dunk on a child. Uh, this, this kid was born <laughs> before we were. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and so uh, we cut to this group of uh, sexy teensters. Oh, oh, before that, though, don't forget he electrifies that farm owner that i guess yeah. a farm owner is called a farmer but he electrocutes <laughs> that farm owner this movie is rated for solely for gore oh yeah 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 now, honestly now children of the corn part five i can't even believe i'm going to give this movie the benefit of that out here although you know what i kind of like this movie uh it has pretty good head explosions yeah yeah that guy gets electrocuted to basically uh, a pile of steakums on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pure steakums. Why are, Why do steakums get such a bad rap? Uh, because it's dog food for people. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, although honestly, you know, yeah, it, it seems like it should come out of like a tube, like a like a kind of meat pudding. I think is what it is. Um, but. Honestly, Steakums, their social media game, kind of on point. 
like they it's weird their twitter have you seen their stakens had a twitter oh my god yeah no like i think they hired a, a social media manager who understands weird twitter and so you know it's like it's you get these tweets about the failings of late capitalism and existential ennui and nihilism and also it's the brand stakens <laughs> so this is this is what promotion looks like in 2018 so we cut to this group of sweaty numbnut new metal teens man and the goatees in this movie are uh, weaponized it is egregious the goatees um it gives it a unique aesthetic i guess <laughs> it it dates the movie that's a good thing like um <laughs> we could you know use this as historians to talk about <laughs> the chin straps are fucking heinous. Like, the goatees in this look like they were um, sort of just schlorped on there with spirit gum and, like, barbershop floor clippings. Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> so, the movie starts with Ahmet Zappa putting blow-up dolls on Crossroads to direct the other horny teens to, mm. like, the fuck cabin. <laughs> Christ. Um, yeah. how much do blow-up dolls cost? I just realized I have no frame of reference for the relative cost of a blow-up doll. It could be $20, it could be $200. I have, I, huh. How much does a blow-up doll cost? Are they cheap? Either way, he's got a, a lot of them to be just leaving on <laughs> crossroad <laughs> sign. Yeah, it's just Ahmed Zappa out here with a shed full of blow-up dolls. And that's that's yeah, his life out yeah. here, um, which honestly, Ahmed Zappa, God bless Ahmed Zappa. Like I'm, I'm apparently he's like the nicest fucking guy in the world. Um, I just love that absolutely Ahmed Zappa will do your late series entry Children of the Corn movie. Yeah, he's like I've got nothing else to lose. His sister Diva is in this movie too. I'm pretty sure she just drove him to set one day, and they're like, "You want to be in this movie too?" And she's like, "I don't <laughs> care, <laughs> whatever." Yeah, fuck it. Honestly, at that point, if you're Diva Zappa, and so these teens are hanging out. This one lady gets killed by a child of the corn. Killed by the corn child. And and here's the thing that I have a problem with this movie is mm -hmm. they're no longer children of the corn. They are teenagers <laughs> of the corn. You are a grown ass man of the corn. They are adolescents <laughs> of the Jonathan Davis. They're freaks <laughs> on leashes. They are Jonathan Davis's large sons. Which that's the real terror is you know it's uh, the the moon is out like a lidless eye and uh, you're in the you know a field of corn and then you just hear a sudden like bam da da. <laughs> And it's just fucking Jonathan Davis popping out with a kilt. And a dude hassles you for some loose cigarettes. <laughs> hey, did you know they're talking about outlawing menthols? Really? Jesus, I did not realize that. Which, I don't even smoke anymore, and I'm annoyed what by this. What are the juggalos going to do? You know, it's going to be really rough for him, but you know what they're going to do? They're going to do what goths did in the late 2000s when they outlawed clove cigarettes. <laughs> they're going to fucking buck up and just take your lumps, deal with it. Thanks, Obama. Actually, that was a thing that Obama did, was get rid of Is, clove cigarettes. It, are menthols to... Okay, so SAT prep, y'all. Menthols <laughs> to juggalos are as close to hipsters. Close to, to hipsters and goths, which there's, there will be a test. Which, honestly, when, when people talk about Obama's presidency, I kind of wish more people would touch on the weirder aspects of things that actually happened during his presidency, like 
Obama apparently just woke up one day and was like, all right, you goth pieces of shit. No more cloves cigarettes. Fucking put them out. Now I'm, like, taken back to <laughs> freshman year of college. Oh, yeah. Wearing fingerless gloves with black fingernail polish. <laughs> Smoking Jarum Blacks. Yeah. Which apparently they're really bad for your lungs. Yeah, they're terrible for you. There's a reason why they're illegal. <laughs> right, because they will literally just turn your lungs into rock candy. Uh, and though, so, Children of the Corn 5, right? So it was um, produced by Dimension Films, which did Scream and a bunch of other horror movies in the 90s. Uh, this movie, even on down to the, the, the poster that has all of the, like, the floating people in the darkness, it really wants to be Scream and it kind of can't hack it. No pun intended. Uh, it's. I was going to say that that joke was corny. <laughs> I, oh, there was a kernel of truth in it. Um, so, fuck, sorry. I'm not going to do corn puns. Um, it's trying to do, like, Kevin Williamson-style, like, snappy teen dialogue, and it's like, motherfucker, this is a Children of the Corn sequel. I want weird redneck corn Satan popping out children with axes. I don't yeah, want fucking the, sexy the teens. the drama of this movie, the pathos, is that this teenager yeah. has joined the corn cult, <laughs> right. and, and both of those are spelled with Ks. Um, <laughs> My life with the thrill corn cult? Yeah. Yeah, that's so. So he's joined this cult, mm -hmm. and he's fathered a teenage child because when you're 18, you're an adult and you suck. You're no longer a children <laughs> of the corn. Right. So he's decided to die because he's he's fathered this teenage pregnancy baby, and right. he's going to jump in the silo where there's just fire. Because again, <laughs> this franchise doesn't have any de creature design. They just say, I guess no. the demon is fire. That's green. <laughs> just the silo where they keep the fire. Yeah, past 18, you're a disappointing adult son of the corn. But yeah, like, they've got the corn silo full of fire. Like, this is just the silo where they keep the fire? Here's the other thing that doesn't make sense. I don't... <laughs> they have these 32-year-olds playing teenagers as movies are wont to do. But right. there's no fucking way that the guy who's 17 and the girl who's 23 mm -hmm. in the film are not both the same age. Well, the problem is they spend most of the movie, like, fiddle-fucking around with these Dawson's Creek-ass 35-year-old teenagers. And it's like, I do not care about the sex lives or sad backstories of these teens. Like, I don't care about, like, oh, no, these two teens had a father who was abusive. Like, this is... It's children of the corn. I care about watching corn Satan kill people. Like, I care about creepy children who with who do sermons. Also, David Carradine is in this movie and Fred Williamson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it has... Fucking Alexis Arquette, it has David Carradine in it. Like, better actors than it deserves, which David Carradine plays certainly a guy? <laughs> he is the... He's a corn guy. And they're like, hey, the logic <laughs> in this movie doesn't make sense. Why does he get to be the lead corn guy? And they're like, he's different. <laughs> and that's it. That is the textual yeah. answer for why he doesn't have to burn in the corn silo. Oh, he's different. <laughs> he's just different. Listen, he's he's King Corn, and he's a jealous and vengeful god. 
Um, which, honestly, David Carradine has played basically the same character in everything he's ever been in. He does. Um, he, yeah, he's just, yes, my, I'm, I'm David Carradine, and I, I sit in this room, and I'm, I'm really mysterious. And it's like, motherfucker, you are half asleep right now. Which, honestly, he's in this movie for, like, a day of filming time. The, the same for, for, um, Fred Williamson. <laughs> oh, Fred Williamson also, yeah, must have just shown up kind of gone, like, all right, where do you need me? Okay. Just did a scene and left. But there's a bit in here where David Carradine's character, like, looks at a guy and this dude's head just bursts into flames, because why not? Fred Williamson's head. <laughs> it's like there's a flamethrower built into his, his skull. Yeah. And it, it's, it's fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, and so uh, a bunch of silly bullshit happens, and the, the main character, whose her name could be anything, her age could be any age, she is from any town USA. None of it is important because I, I cannot stress enough that this is Children of the Corn 5. Um, she gets out with the baby that I think was her corn cult brother's baby, uh, and she goes back to, like, Canton, Ohio, or wherever the fuck her parents are, and she's like, yes, it is good that I took this baby from the corn cult. I am legally able to rear this child. And then the parents are like, yes, it is good that you have liberated this baby. And then, uh, actually, Quincy, do you want to, do you want to do, um, do you want to uh, describe the ending of this film? I mean, it's the weird corn baby it's the baby has the green flames in its eyes yeah it's like a straight up cg like it looks it looks like the uh the flame border on the bottom of somebody's like GeoCities around 1998 website where it's just like a little green flame graphic just sort of shows up in this baby's freeze-framed eyes it's it's, it's that's how it ends it's pretty bad, but the head explosion is so good mm. that it, it yeah. excuses a significant amount of the movie. Yeah, th- those were, as head explosions go, I feel like that's where they dumped all of the money from the budget for this film, was just those head explosions. Okay, so where do you want to put it on the list? Is it better or worse than The Devil's Rejects? Ooh, it's better than The Devil's Rejects. I would definitely rather watch this than that. Now, what about that weird samurai movie, Bloodbeat? Ooh, between those, I think I gotta go with Bloodbeat. Yeah, so I think then it should go right between Bloodbeat and The Devil's Rejects. Yeah, I think it's a pretty snug place for... Wait a minute, actually, uh, is it... Okay, can you say in good conscience that it's better than Madhouse? Oh, shit, it's not. I, yeah, Madhouse is better. You're right. So, so scroll down. It's mm-hmm. actually... Oh, Jesus. Oh, and Maniac Cop 2, yeah, it's way lower. Oh, uh, yeah. It doesn't have the tie-in wrap. Um, I also, in good conscience, cannot put it above the movie Hardware, which I stan, and every time that I remember it exists and is on the list, I will probably put it above whatever movie we're doing. What about the 2009 Friday the 13th? Ooh, I really like that reboot. Ah, I feel like the reboot is probably better than Children of the Corn 5. I would rather watch it. Yeah, and, um... Okay, here's The Willies. That's the a Willies. very comparable movie. Yeah, I would agree. I think The Willies edges out, but... Mm-hmm. Now, under that is Jason Goes to Hell. It's better than Cut. Yeah, it is better I than think. Cut with Molly Ringwald. I'll tell you the movie that is actually better than. Okay. The Fog. Yeah, this is definitely better than The Fog. The Fog is so deeply fucking boring. It's unforgivable. Uh, but Body Melt? 
Ooh, okay, all right. I think, okay, all right. Here's, here's where I draw the line. I think it's better than Body Melt, but just by a little bit. I don't think it's as good. Is it better or worse than The House of Usher? Oh, I think it's definitely better than The House of Usher, because The House of Usher is just... It's it's just the short story. It's just the short story, yeah. And then you've got Children of the Corn. So then 214 is Children of the Corn 5, Fields of Terror. (laughs) Fields, plural. Corny fields forever. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. It kind of makes me want to marathon a bunch of Children of the Corn movies. Just to, like, microwave my brain. Like, just just, just so I can say that I've seen every single Children of the Corn. Because, like, by this point, I've seen every single Saw movie. You cannot tell me that it's harder than watching every Saw movie. <laughs> is watching every Children of the Corn. Like, at least this is... You get to watch, like, tiny children running around with, like, sides and shit. Saw is just deeply joyless and takes itself incredibly seriously. And, like, that's the unforgivable thing to me, is that by Saw 5, there should be a jigsaw trap that's basically, like, the mousetrap board game. Like, there should just be, like, wild shit by that point. They should have gone into space. They should have done... So, why is it that the fourth and fifth movies are when franchises go insane? I... Well, I think that by the third movie, you've said basically everything that you would want to say uh, in a in a narrative. Because, like, you know, it's a, that's like a full fucking arc. Like, if you need more of a story after three movies, like, necessarily you're doing some wild bullshit. You are going to space. For Hellraiser, Bloodline is space. <laughs> how <laughs> nice, is, good how segue. is it that only the fourth movie, they take it into space? Now, which uh, leprechaun yeah. do they go into space? Uh, that is also Leprechaun 4. Okay, so apparently that's they're on par. But Jason goes <laughs> yep. into space in 10. Which is just unforgivable, waiting until part 10 to go into space. And here's the thing, I kind of stand for Jason X because it's like the most expensive porn parody ever made. <laughs> um, it's just ridiculous. It's like they had a weirdly big budget for their like fan film about Jason, where it's like, oh, he's, he's in a spaceship. But yeah, so Leprechaun 4 was like right after... Uh, Las Vegas with money. Oh and... shit! Because gold. Las yeah. Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Like that was. This is also entirely their thought process <laughs> making this movie. <laughs> Las Vegas. That's where they keep all the gold. I love that. There's also still Leprechaun movies, and and the <laughs> the biggest draw yeah. is they cast Hornswoggle for one of oh, them. Fucking Hornswoggle. Although for real though, like Warwick Davis is just a fucking delight. Like he. Honestly, scared the shit out of me, the leprechaun, when I was a kid. There is a scene in one of those movies where he kills a guy by hopping on his lungs with a pogo stick, which, outstanding. Because I was, like, leprechaun height. Like, I, I, I figured my odds of getting murdered via pogo stick, pretty good. Uh, so Hellraiser Bloodlines, or Bloodline, singular. This is the last theatrically released Hellraiser film. Let me tell you, they ended this movie like they were done. Yeah, I mean, they basically were, is the thing. Like, this was produced by actual fucking Clive Barker. He was involved with this, like, this was the last one that was not adapted from, like, a completely unrelated script also. That wasn't like, uh, well, it's a script about, like, how there's nothing in the rule books that says a dog can't play basketball. But also, we gotta shoehorn some bondage demons in there. So, 
I watched this movie and I cannot tell you what the plot is. I, I know stuff yeah. happens. A whole bunch of stuff happens. Sure. But I don't know why it's happening. Yeah, which honestly, you could do a double feature of Hellraiser. So it takes place in space. Actually, I just realized you could do a, a double feature of Hellraiser Bloodline and Event Horizon. Yes. Which came first? Oh, shit. That was Hellraiser Bloodline. Actually came, it predates uh, by a year. Uh, no fucking way. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, which Event Horizon, which uh, of course has Lawrence Fishburne in it. We've been re-watching Hannibal at my house, who uh, Lawrence Fishburne plays Jack Crawford in that, so I can't watch anything. I'm so mad at Jack Crawford as a character while watching this show that I feel like I'm transferring that onto Lawrence Fishburne, where I see him in a thing, I'm just like, you son of a bitch. Um, so anyway, so Hellraiser Bloodline starts out and it's this guy, uh, merchant and he's in space solving the puzzle box. And then it veers from outer space back to 18th century France. Except also you've left out that he's, because the puzzle box is so dangerous, <laughs> right. a, a robot is solving the box yes. and he's using the most ridiculous, uh, <laughs> prop yeah it's virtual reality gloves oh my god the cg on this is just incredible it's it's a lot they're they're chain mail with like sneaker (laughs) shoelaces glued on them and spray painted silver yeah it's the uh which as anybody who's watching been watching the movies knows it's the uh evil rubik's cube that you solve to make demons come and like chop your dick off forever or whatever um and it's amazing because, like, the guy makes it and it's wood, and he's just like, look at this crazy toy I made. Isn't it awesome? And his wife is just like, yeah, that's great. When the fuck are you going to get a real job? And he's like, no, but I made the bondage box. And she is just not fucking supportive. And so uh, he brings it to basically the Marquis de Sade? Yeah, pretty much. He's just French pervert. Yeah, just a French pervert named uh, Delisle who he is just a yodeling French pervert and he's got pancake makeup and a birthmark painted on and like a cravat. This movie has no idea what things are supposed to look like, <laughs> like not. time periods or costumes. Uh, and so he just kind of shows up to the, uh, the, the French pervert's house and uh, there's a guy standing around who's like the guy's sort of gopher. And you see this actor and you think to yourself, is that a baby Adam Scott? It is Adam Scott <laughs> with a gravy boat of blood. It certainly is. Wait, okay, so describe the gravy boat of blood. So this this French pervert is torturing poor girls mm-hmm. and, like, hooking them with those damn Hellraiser hooks. <laughs> the fucking hooks. And the they pull the table away. And, of course, the tile floor has a pentagram in it. Oh, and naturally. And he says, Adam Scott fill the cracks so he he takes all of this uh exsanguinated peasant and and pours blood all over the floor and then they skin her and then a demon gets into the skin yeah yeah and then uh, this is where the movie kind of lost me throughout oh this is time and space angelique just shows up and fucks dude fucks 
descendants of the merchant family. Yeah, Angelique doesn't really do much when she shows up throughout this movie. I also don't fucking understand the plot of Hellraiser Bloodline. Yeah, she just kind of shows up and bangs members of the merchant family and leaves. Uh, so what's amazing is that, the, so LaMarchand goes over to uh, Delisle. Is it Delisle or Delisle? It's not important, the French pervert. Uh, and so there's, like, a peasant lady there who uh, uh, Dalil is, like, clearly trying to charm and, like, put the moves on. And she's being very polite and is very like, haha, I really want to leave. And then he starts doing, like, street magic, like, mind free. <laughs> uh, and the lady's just, like, uh, being nice, like, haha, all right, thank, cool, man. That's cool, cool magic tricks. And he's like, but what about this handkerchief behind your ear? And he's just fucking yucking it up. And Adam Scott is so tired. <laughs> he just wants to go home. He's just hanging out with his pervert French boss, and he just is—he just wants to go home, for God's sake. Um, so they kill the lady, and then Angelique just starts dicking down the merchant family. And then Le Marchand is like, "Not like that." <laughs> I made you this puzzle box. I filled it with blood. Not like that. Not like that. Yeah. She's just, oh my God. Which, my first beef with this movie, which, although, you know, I got to admit, I kind of like, I kind of love this movie. It is a goddamn mess. It does not make sense and it doesn't know what to do with itself. But also I've seen it several times and I still have no idea. It is just, here's a weird Cenobite dog fighting a merchant in, you know, one of the merchant descendants in the laundry room. And here's a building where the guy built a giant version of it. And mm-hmm. here's, oh wait, it turns out this spaceship has been a giant Le Marchand configuration <laughs> the whole time. It's, yes. it's so ridiculous. I, I love that fucking goofy reveal. That, like, the spaceship was a puzzle box the whole time. It is fucking absurd. Which, first of all, this movie... Uh, of course, directed by uh, uh, bracket Alan Smithy, like whoever whoever ultimately directed this is never taking credit for it. Um, apparently, the original draft of this thing, which was um, I think produced by Kevin Yeager, the guy that did the uh, makeup effects on Nightmare Three, motherfucker Quincy, I need you to understand. There was a version of Hellraiser Bloodline that had Cenobites with powdered wigs. There were production stills. I think this movie should have just been in. They should have done one movie. Yeah. They should have done just France or just the 90s. Just space. Or just space or just in the in the apartment building. But it's yeah. just like let's stitch it all together and let's make a bunch of weird-ass gore bullshit. Yeah. And you better believe I watched it all and I was like, that's really cool. Get, right, which is a lot of the Hellraiser franchise, I think, is just like, what did I just watch? Like, uh, there's a lot of weird bullshit. A bunch of people got Julienne, I guess. And yet, it's better than Hellraiser Hellworld. <laughs> much, much better than Hellraiser Hellworld, because at least, like, Hellraiser Hellworld, it's like, it's very, very early 90s. It's sort of like, in any way, the band Motorhead is here, and here's a club with lots of fire called the Boiler Room, and here's a Cenobite who shoots compact discs out of his face at Can people. we talk about that poor bastard that's walking down the sidewalk and gets killed <laughs> by a CD? Amazing. Like, Hellraiser 1 and 2, where it's just, you know, really sweeping and really majestic, and like, oh, you know, like, her father is in hell, and she has to go find him, and then... Hellraiser 3, and it's just like, fuck you, dude! Just CD to the face. It's incredible. And to go from that to Hellraiser Bloodline, which, honestly, my biggest beef with Hellraiser Bloodline, uh, not enough pinhead, 
Not enough space. Exactly. That's, I need 100% more of both of those. Like, this needed to be Hellraiser in space. Like, I just, that's that's the thing that I wanted. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so, it, it should be cool, and it's not. You know oh, what yeah. it's a lot like? What's that? Halloween Havoc 1991. <laughs> <laughs> it yes. should be good, but it's not. Yeah. But it's also watchable in a weird sort of way. Yeah, it's like Chinese democracy. My guns and roses are like, you know what, I don't need this. This is all right. Um, which, this was written by uh, the same dude who wrote the first two uh, screenplays for the, the, the first two Hellraiser movies, and also podcast favorite, Wishmaster. Yes. Which, you know, there, there's a mean-spiritedness, I think, also in this movie that absolutely would identify the writer of this movie as also having done Wishmaster, because it's just that fucking nasty tone, and just like, oh, this this person's kind of a dick, right? You dirty bird. Absolute dirty bird. So, is... Um... Hellraiser Bloodwine better than the Island of Dr. Moreau, Ooh. the most famous <laughs> Alan Smithy film of all time. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, there's just so many Alan Smithy films. I don't know how we start with them. Um, but there, there's there's one thing that I want that I want us all to keep in mind about this movie. Uh, Adam Scott, who is a a wee babby in this movie around 1996, Adam Scott loved being in Hellraiser Bloodline. Of course he did. Loved it. Loved it. He, and I love that apparently, uh, you know, you know, at the time he was a sort of struggling young actor and this gave him like his first real shot in Hollywood. And it was like one of his first real gigs. So that apparently later on, uh, when he was hard up for work later, he tried auditioning for another Hellraiser movie. Uh, and just kind of hoped that they wouldn't recognize him from the fourth one, but apparently somebody must have because he didn't get it. That's very good. Yeah. So if if we're talking about a certain joie de vivre with the crew, mm-hmm. I feel like that actually raises it in the list quite a bit. Definitely. Well, and also, I have to respect the fucking brass ones it takes to make a sequel to Hellraiser that veers wildly back and forth between 18th century France and motherfucking Star Trek-ass outer space. (laughs) Like, that is a fucking choice. Blowing up The ending is such a, we don't know how to end this movie, so we're just gonna (laughs) blow Pinhead up. Yeah, just fucking blow up Pinhead. Honestly, like, exploding Pinhead in space makes me think of one of the endings they had in... uh, I have read a bunch of the original drafts for Freddy vs. Jason from when it was still in development hell. Ryan, of Um, course you've done that. (laughs) Because I'm nothing if not a parody of myself. Uh, one of the original endings uh, of Freddy vs. Jason had it beaming Freddy Krueger into the goddamned sun via satellite in order to finally, ultimately destroy him. Um, so, that's yeah, let's just explode Pinhead in space. That's how we're going to end this fucking franchise. Um, my question for you, is Hellraiser 4 better or worse than the Neon Demon? For practical effects alone, it's better than Neon Demon. Yeah, yeah, agree. And also, listen, say what you will about prolific director Alan Smithy. Uh, he didn't do a Nicholas Winding Refn and be like, oh, I'm sorry, did I just get extremely fucking real about the modeling industry? <laughs> um, so so it's not Nicholas Winding Refn uh, cranking his hog and ma- maintaining eye, con- eye contact with me. It's, yes, hello, welcome to my fourth installment in the Hellraiser franchise. Here is your powdered wig and your entrails. And I appreciate that. So it's better than Neon Demon, but it is not as good as Jack Frost. Oh, definitely not as good as Jack Frost, the movie about the killer snowman. Um, I think it's also not as good as Hello, Mary Lou Prom Night 2. I do think oh, it's better sure. than Bloodlands. Bloodlands is adequate. 
It is powerfully acceptable. You know what it is? It's, uh, this is... Uh, that would be a movie that you could watch on standard def DVD in the medium yeah, place. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> it would be like that and like Halloween 4. Like, it's perfectly adequate. There's nothing particularly notable about it. So yeah, so coming in at our new number 146... Uh, is Hellraiser Bloodline from 1996. Ryan, if uh, our listeners want to submit a listener request, uh, how will they do that? Well, uh, let's say that you're uh, listening to the podcast and you're wondering when these two fucking knuckleheads are going to finally get around to talking about um, Leprechaun 3 or Wishmaster, the movie where a guy literally fucks himself to death. (laughs) Um, You're going to want to send that request over to uh, rankandvilecast at gmail.com or you're going to want to go to our Tumblr at justrankandvile.com and put that in the ask box. Uh, we are over on uh, Stitcher. We're on iTunes. Um, Quincy, what is our Twitter handle? Our Twitter handle is rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Uh, and I'll, we have an Instagram too, rankandvile. So if you want to see what kind of coffee I'm drinking, <laughs> uh, what kind of movies I'm watching, mm-hmm. uh, if you want our wild opinions about Hannibal, Absolutely. um, Children of the Corn. (laughs) Yeah, and I am in the thick of a Hannibal, uh, NBC Hannibal rewatch, so I'm just offering my permanently garbage opinions about that show. Uh, Oh, oh, and Letterboxd. Uh, If you go to Letterboxd at Just Rank and Vile, um, I am curating a bunch of lists about, like, uh, horror movies you can watch with your mom and stuff that you can watch over Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm really going ham sandwich on Letterboxd. You really would not believe it. Uh, Quincy, you got anything else? Yeah, uh, big news, we've updated the rap horror tie-in playlist. Oh, fuck yes. Uh, what did we add? Uh, none other than the Tales from the Crypt Crypt Jam. Yeah, the fucking Crypt Jam, where it's just John Kassir as a as a rapping Crypt Keeper, basically. And he's wearing, like, a very 1993 oh, yeah. outfit. Yeah, yeah, it's like the big, the big swinging gold chain and shit, and it's just him in a hanging out in a crypt with some b-boys in, and in the fly crypt. girls also also yeah fly girls as well which all i can all i can think about is like most says like saying like let's say some gangsters dissing your fly girl you just give them one of these <laughs> like and it's but it's the crypt keeper um but yeah that's about all i got you got anything else that's it um be safe y'all have a good week folks <laughs>